CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Siemens Smart Grid. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sun Joke All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sun Joke All. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTRLive, and look for this show as hashtag mobility. Today's topic is mobility-enabled government transformation, and our guests for today's show are Gail Roper, who's the CIO and Community Relations Officer for the City of Raleigh, North Carolina, and she's also a member of the CIO Executive Council. Good morning, Gail. How are you? Good morning. I am great. Thank you. Yeah, life could be treating you any better, given the summers are arriving now? Well, yes. We would just want some warm weather like Chicago. <laughs> All right, good, good to have you. And we Thank also you. have uh, Michael uh, Armstrong, who's the CIO of the city of Corpus Christi, Texas. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Good morning. I am just fine. And it's a you know, lovely, not a lovely day in South Texas today. So <laughs> we're happy. Yeah, which is good. So at least we've got one common fundamental, well, which is going that the life is treating us good. But now we also have to look at how is government able to do what they are trying to do in terms of transforming the lives of. Uh, everybody in terms of the citizens and public and, and businesses uh, that are existing there. So with that said, uh, the first question I'd like to ask, and, and Gil, let's look at it from a standpoint of mobility in particular. There are no short, uh, we are not short on ideas of what kind of, uh, you know, initiatives or applications, et cetera, can be developed. But we also don't see that it has been wholeheartedly embraced, which is uh, mobility in the government agency. So are we waiting for something or we are doing it in, in such incremental, small uh, increments here and there that it is not worth mentioning? And that's why the rest of the world doesn't get to see what's going on. Well, I can certainly speak for the city of Raleigh in terms of how we have uh, evolved as it relates to um, mobility initiatives and having either front-end mobility applications or back-end mobility applications. We are um, very much driven by citizen demand. So basically what we're doing is rather than developing internal mobility applications, we are actually making it a part of the functionality uh, in applications that we purchase off the shelf, or or we're adding uh, front ends to or back ends to applications that currently exist so that we can provide uh, mobile applications. The other thing in terms of the um, the ability to drive mobile applications uh, comes from our need from an operational standpoint as it relates to our um, our operations and our frontline employees out in the field uh, doing a lot of work. Some of the things that I think um, have been extremely successful here in the city of Raleigh is our 311 solution that includes uh, C Click Fix, a product that allows citizens to use their mobile phones to um, present issues and requests to the city of Raleigh. Uh, they're able to actually use a mobile phone, take pictures, uh, make comments, and then follow up 
Um, and so it kind of moves away from the the legacy 311 solution where a person has to actually pick up a phone and um, and call into the city. So we're doing a lot based on customer demand. We're also in an area in the country where we have a very high-tech uh, community, very high-tech citizen base. So we are being driven to do uh, more and more. If you look at our website, we have made sure that the website it accommodates all kinds of uh, handheld devices. Um, we're incorporating the ability to get any information uh, from the website. So we have a area where you can get subscriptions uh, from the website on any newsletter, any press release information that one would have to come down to the city and actually get and have that driven directly to a citizen's mobile phone. So we're we're looking at um, finding applications that have that functionality already built in, so we're not having to build applications internally. And then also we're pretty much driven by cust- uh, customer citizen demand. Michael, would you call mobility as an avenue to actually bring about transformation or just to extend what you've been doing and do something cool so that there is more love created within, between the citizen and the government? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it's actually a, a, a two-edged sword. I think we're, what we're, we're seeing, uh, you know, the transformation right now in available technologies, uh, particularly with the availability of uh, – of a higher mobile mobile bandwidth, uh, which gives us the opportunity to to do things we've not been able to do before. Uh, and I also think there's generational shift going on uh, with our citizens. the 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 younger folks are are very much wired into to mobile devices, uh, more much more so than than some of our older folks. So uh, you know, as government, we have to serve both. So it, it's not always. You know, being able to do one thing or the other, it's doing one thing and another. So I, I think the it, it's transformative, but I think the transformation is, is probably going to be a little slower than some of us would like uh, because it, it's very difficult for us to drop a channel uh, when we're communicating with our citizens because of, of the, the tremendous variety of, of capabilities that we see. So when we are looking at the audience that we are trying to serve, Michael, who who are they? I mean, could you say that the regular people and do we really have enough insight into their heads that what is it that they're looking or is it more peripheral looking at what all services we were offering already? Let's try to tinker with them and try to make them better and essentially building a better mousetrap versus doing a fundamental user research and or user insight gathering for well, I, it to then drive all these initiatives. Yeah, I, I think, uh, again, a couple of things. Uh, depending on the, the type of government that you have, you may have a, a, an existing connection that's closer than others. For example, we have a number of utilities. So, uh, you know, we're dealing with the, with our citizens, you know, on, uh, you know, on a daily basis. There are other areas where, the, you know, our citizens don't particularly want a relationship with us. They just want their problem solved. Uh you know, if their street needs to be repaved, uh, you know, they, they don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time, you know, engaging in discussion uh, or devoting a lot of attention to it. They just want the thing fixed. So we have to be sensitive to, you know, not only to what we're hearing from the uh, 
you know, from our, our citizens, but also what our capabilities are. Uh, we It's very difficult for us to be everything to everybody, uh, though we certainly make that effort, I think. And that perhaps is, a, is as much of an impediment as, as it is an enabler. Uh, it would be, you know, if we could drop, you know, paper processing, uh, we could do things much more efficiently. But that's simply not going to work for, for some of our uh, some of our citizens. So we we need to be aware of of what our our demographics are like, uh, what our population is going to look like. Not not now, but what it's going to look like in uh, two to five years. So uh, uh, that that I think is driving a lot of what governments are doing are are thinking about now, uh, you know, trying to, to deal with the issues that are at hand, but knowing that there's a, a major change coming and how do you uh, position yourself to deal with that change uh, in a in a, an effective way. So, Gail, would you think that, I mean, let, let's, let's set this uh, stage where uh, governments always take pride that they really listen to their citizens. So did we actually listen intently and did we inventory and or collected specific needs that citizens expressed, which drove all this mobility-related uh, transformation and or other initiatives? And if that is the case, what are those top problems and or wants that citizens have actually explicitly expressed? I think that um, in our situation uh, in Raleigh and other cities that I've also worked in, I would I would also say um, Austin that have really high tech uh, a high tech community. I think that the key there is to actually um, engage in uh, public forums to better understand what the needs are. That is absolutely what we've had to do here. So we've we've seen the the role of the both the CIO and the IT organization really extending itself to um, to the public in terms of having that interface with the public and and having an interface with um, some of the community the advisory councils some of our neighborhood groups to have that dialogue with them around what they need and and what they want I, I agree with um, Michael from the standpoint of understanding. Um, your environment, understanding your particular jurisdiction, and and always making certain that you continue to provide those channels of communication to across the citizen base. That it just can't be um, a certain type of citizen. But I think that you know, as as with anything else, those that are most vocal uh, usually tend to get what they want and need. So I would say that there is a new. Um, push to extend IT out of the data center and into the community where you're having those kinds of conversations. That has been the base or the core of my position here in Raleigh to extend my role as CIO. My, my title is CIO and Community Relations Officer, so we are doing a lot of dialogue in the community with, with, um, with all uh, areas of, the, within all areas of the city and to different types of citizens. So I really do think that, that it will continue to be a trend. And I think social media helps you with that to begin to understand what citizens want. But I also think that face-to-face -face contact is valuable as well. Now, when it comes to the mobility in, uh, implementations, when you look at internally, 
what is it that that you had to change? And this is for you, Michael. Uh, what is it that you had to change in your organization to be able to say that, yes, I'm confident to take on these new initiatives besides all the different uh, things that are going on uh, and in terms of the capabilities that are to be procured from outside, what other relationships did you have to form in order to be ready? Uh, one thing you should know about Corpus Christi is that we – uh, are and have been a pioneer in, uh, you know, in in the mobile arena for uh, you know a decade. We had the first uh, municipal Wi-Fi uh, mesh network, you know, in the country, and we're still, I think, the second largest. Uh, so we have, uh, you know, we've been doing this for a while, and, and it may not have the, you know, the you know the urgency for us that it, that it may have for some other folks. Uh, what we have done uh is basically uh through the through our network design and and you know our our you know increasing bandwidth that that our folks have access to in the field is make the the desktop available you know wherever you know within the within the the city itself uh we're doing real time g i s updates we're using the the you know the native desktop clients uh for a number of our our work applications uh and you know we, our field people are getting access to the same kinds of enterprise data and uh services that our our desktop people are on the other side we also have uh you know a, a number of uh, public wifi free wifi hotspots that are, are you know are include our our airport our libraries uh, all of our tourist areas, most of our government buildings, uh, and we're experiencing over, you know, well over uh, 200,000 you know, user sessions a month on the on the free Wi-Fi side. So it's, you know, it, it's kind of, of an interesting uh, dichotomy down here uh, because we have the, uh, you know, a, a lot of, of mobile capability, uh, but we're using it more for uh, Legacy applications than we are for uh, targeted uh, mobile app apps. Uh, though we do have our our three one one reporting system and uh, and some others, uh, uh, but the it gives us a, a chance to do things a little differently uh, and think about things a little differently when we're particularly when we're we're looking at at the services we provide and how we do that. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Gail, when we come back, I'd like to explore the co-op approach to introducing mobility and, and implementing various applications or, or whatever other uh, infrastructure-related elements for a given city. So imagine this is a franchise, and each franchise has somewhat similar type of uh, menu, and the type of people who you are uh, also handling have similar types of tastes. So why try to reinvent the wheel in each city or in each state where you could very well uh, procure things centrally, uh, work together to come up with one set of standards, and then citizens, as they even move from one place to another, they experience the same level of satisfaction. So it could help all parties concerned. Is that even being thought of? If yes, what are the challenges in making it a reality? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not. 
because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online and use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central, phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, um... Gil, as we spoke about this, whatever you're doing and the citizens are, I'm sure there is not much of a gap gap in terms of expectations that a citizens of another city or state might have. So if, if that's that's the case, then why not go the co-op approach? Why we say this is what we are doing in Corpus Christi versus Raleigh or any other city or state? Why not kind of join hands and say this is what we're going to do and we'll roll it out multiple states, multiple cities? Is that is that too good to be true as a dream that which could even you know brought as a you know converted into a reality? Well, I would say that um, one of the initiatives that we're working on now is is becoming a dream realized, and that we're working on a um, multi-jurisdictional infrastructure, uh, somewhat similar to the uh, Google uh, Gigabit network that will um, bring. Um, g- high-speed uh, gigabit infrastructure to our region, and it is across uh, jurisdictions and universities. So this is actually uh, an initiative that we are working with five other cities and uh, three major universities, uh, Duke, Duke University, North Carolina State University, and North Carolina Chapel Hill, to actually work together in um, in collaboration. We have an RFP out uh, to be responded to uh, that um, will actually uh, solicit someone to come in and build this infrastructure that will be utilized by all of the jurisdictions involved and the universities. So we are finding that particularly from uh, the infrastructure perspective that there there are great fiscal benefits uh, in a business model that allows all to play together. Uh, There is um, a need to really um, have that kind of uh, infrastructure in place for the region rather than tacking, tackling it just for one of the jurisdictions. So, you know, the model, I would say, is a model similar to um, the uh, Google infrastructure in that it utilizes municipal assets that taxpayers have already invested in, and then it also gives um, the region an opportunity to benefit. So what we saw in uh, – in, in, 
in Kansas City was Kansas City, Kansas, and Kansas City, Missouri collaborating. What we're, we're what we're doing here in the Research Triangle Park region is to actually uh, collaborate with universities and municipalities to drive down taxpayer costs. So if we are successful in that, um, we will um, actually move into negotiations with the respondees from the RFP uh, mid-May and come up with a solution that would benefit the region from an economic development uh, educational perspective. So, Michael, would you have any um, directives to say that while you're going to introduce mobility in your organization, also check with your nearby cities and states to see what all are they doing and piggyback on that learning and resources that have already been created by creating some sort of a co-op arrangement? Is that even on the play, on, on the drawing board? Uh, sure. And uh, let me let me point out that Nearby has a different meaning in Texas than it would have in Raleigh. Uh, you know, near, you know, the nearest city to to me is is two hours away. Uh, so the, there's a, a geographical constraint that that we have uh, that the you know, Gail in in the research triangle does not necessarily have. So we we tend to be you know uh, need to be a bit more self sufficient. However, you know, we, we still have collaborative opportunities uh, within our, the city itself. You know, we have a, a very good relationship with Texas A&M and with Del Mar College, uh, with our regional transportation agency, uh, and a, a lot of, of uh, NGOs or, or quasi-governmental agencies that, that we share uh, our infrastructure and, uh, and services with. Uh, I, I think the... The, the greatest inhibitor uh, to you know, to the kind of standardization you're talking about is the the is a, a legal one. Uh, you know, cities uh, pretty much are you know rule themselves with their own sets you know and, and react in their own ways to uh, uh, to their their particular challenges, and those are not uniform. Uh, you know, for example, we're going to, we're probably much more focused on uh, on emergency preparedness than than many many places are, and and that's a big driver for us in, in how we think about what we're uh, uh, the applications that we need and how we think about the services that we deliver. So I you know I, I think it's it's certainly a, a goal, and to the extent that that we can identify those areas where. Uh, their similarity of of needs uh, by all means we want to to, to not uh, reinvent the wheel so uh, when we are looking at the different platforms and operating systems that we have had do you think you are going to have one uh, architecture if you will Gail that you would like to say this is what we're moving towards or you'd say instead of us trying to build that platform or reusing what we have why not just outsource the whole mobile management and mobile infrastructure management I think a combination of both to be honest um, we are a city that um, you know we're in the midst of um, the Research Triangle Park, um, Red Hat is in our downtown area. We are an open uh, systems city. We have um, legislation that says we look at open systems um, when we look at the various platforms. 
And I think that, you know, when there is an opportunity to to use an open system and have uh, a system that is applicable across the board, that we can share those platforms. But I also believe there there will be situations where we're having to, to look at proprietary uh, platforms at, until we move forward. So as we are as we are implementing uh, new platforms and new systems, we always uh, take the opportunity by legislation to actually look at solutions that are open. I think that is the trend, and I think that that is where uh, many of the proprietary providers will have to move to in their business model. So I would say a combination of both in every opportunity that we have to um, to, to choose an operating system that is open and um, available to uh, multiple platforms that is the action that we take. So, Michael, if you had to talk about BYOD, that's something we know it's it's to, for some it's a fad, for others it is a necessity. And and or so, what what is the what is a citizen actually looking for? Do they really care? Uh, I'm not sure. You know that the, the, the citizens care that much uh, unless they're very engaged and bring their devices to uh, to meetings or you know, something of that nature. Uh, it is important from uh, a cost standpoint. We're all very cost sensitive, of course. Uh, one of the things we did a couple years ago was stop furnishing uh, cell phones to our, our management uh, employees. So they are, you know, free to, to make their own arrangements and use whatever, uh, you know, communication device they want. Uh, we're seeing more interest in people bringing their own tablets. Uh, we have a few of those. Uh, we are very careful about how we we let them connect to to our systems. Uh, mostly, it's for email and calendaring uh, through the internet. Uh, we will occasionally give somebody VPN access, but we we're uh, careful about that. I think this is something as the as the the device mix changes as we go to see more tablets and and more. Uh, mobile devices, uh, and, and as those actually become, you know, bigger parts of people's lives, I think we're going to see the the need to, you know, to ac- accommodate those more so than we have in the past. So when we come back to the BYOD question again, uh, Gil, do you think that is that has got any bearing on what you would do in terms of what applications you offer or what experience that you promise to your citizens? Uh, absolutely. I, I, th- I, I don't think that we are entertaining any uh, application today that does not have um, the ability to um, be viewed on on tablets, any handheld device. So I absolutely think that there is a leg up for companies that um, develop that either the, the back end on um, the ability to be um, to be viewed on um, iPhones, um, and I and I think that you know any kind of tablet whether it be uh, a, an Apple product or other, I think the demand is there for it to be available to all. So I, I do think from a procurement standpoint, 
we are very much impacted by the need uh, for these applications to be available externally to citizens, but also the um, the need for our operational departments who are mobile and picking up trash, who are out there fixing streets to also have access to our back-end systems, even from the standpoint of timekeeping and request tracking. So, yes, I think it is imperative now that we begin to look at that need and to select and procure applications based on that. Michael, if you were to uh, select the regulations and or other uh, regulatory hoops that you have to jump through, which ones are causing the most pain and preventing you from really be able to deliver value timely and in a quality fashion? Well, I, I think that there is still a residual resistance to uh, to municipal telecommunications operations by uh, by some of the, the um, you know the communications providers uh, in the private sector. Uh, for example, I you know there are laws in Texas that will, that prevent me from making money from my infrastructure from you know uh, so I, I have to work you know I'm, I'm kind of limited in what I can do. Uh, and you know, the things I would like to see for our community because uh, you know of, of those legal restrictions, um, but you you know you still do the things that you you find some way to get done the things that need to be done. Uh, it's a, you just get a, a bit of frustration knowing that there are other things that you could do, uh, but for for legal and regulatory reasons, uh, you know, you simply cannot. And uh, you have to accept that and go on and uh, serve your, your community in, uh, in the best fashion that you can. Uh, that's why we're, you know, the public Wi-Fi piece to us is uh, is very important because that that is something we can provide to our community. Uh, we're not in competition uh, with the private sector uh, to any great degree uh, in, in that in that realm. Uh, and our you know our citizens, in particular our visitors, you know, find it. You know, a, a tremendous asset to our community. So, you know, you you deal with the reality, and uh, we all have uh, not only local regulations but state uh, regulations and and coming federal regulations. I would guess uh, that we have to deal with. And that's just part of the of the environment. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, Michael, I'd like to extend this conversation to say that if the world has to be changed and you want new things to happen, do you think the policymakers are keeping a blind ear to the new things should be or what changes they should make to the regulations and policies in order for you to introduce mobility in an appropriate fashion? And if you are experiencing that they are changing it, to what degree and is that enough? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not. Because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online. And use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central. Phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. 
The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So regulations, policies, policymakers, you are appealing to them and uh, something should be changed in order for you to be able to do your job. What is it that is working when you appeal and who you should be appealing to? So now the reason I'm asking this question is because, of course, the listeners are going to also be looking at who do they go and and, uh, complain and or appeal to in order to get the platform they require so that they can deliver to their citizens. Well, I, I think one of the things that you know is very beneficial to us right now is that uh, uh, the technology itself is uh, you know is, is changing the you know the people who are in the in the legislatures or on the city councils. Uh, they you know we you know all of our council uh, here use iPads. Uh, we have all electronic meetings. Uh, you know, and, and once you can demonstrate to a group of people like that that you know what you're talking about, uh, that you that there is true value to be gained with what you what you want to do, and uh, you take advantage of of, of the economies and the, and the the flexibility that comes from from mobility, from the cloud, from you know the combination of things that are happening right now. Uh, that's going to make the world a very different place in the next five years or so. Uh, I, I think that you know we're getting more of an ear, uh, certainly at the local level, than we than we perhaps have had in the past, simply because we have uh, uh, younger and, and more tech savvy people, you know, making the policies. I think there, there's still a gap at the federal and state level uh, because of, of the you know of the effect that that those you know, uh, act, actions have on us uh, that are either unknown or unanticipated, uh, and that that can be problematic. But I, I think it's something that, uh, you know, technology change always exceeds the rate of of, of legal or or social change. So it's uh, you know we're we're going to be playing catch up, and it's kind of what we do. But you know, it, it will get better. I think. So, Gail, coming back to uh, open data initiatives that may be uh, required for people to get information uh, as publicly as possible, how how much of that has been uh, executed using the mobility, or is this something which is an old thing which was anyway put in place and now mobile is just making it more pervasive? Well, it definitely is not an old thing. So basically um, what is happening is that um, cities are being challenged 
to have open data portals where raw data is made available out of uh, municipal systems to the public. So what we're doing uh, is we have, in, in other cities as well, um, Chicago, New York, uh, Seattle, have very strong open data portals. And what we're doing here is we are actually providing information uh, raw data to the public for them to actually consume and answer some of their own questions. So it is pretty much a self-service kind of model for a population of individuals that are savvy enough to um, to use that data to uh, respond to questions that they may have of the city. So in order to do that, we have been having public forums to, to better understand what kinds of data our citizens our citizenry is looking for. It really does uh, benefit the whole concept of, of government transparency. And, and we're finding that we get different um, factions of the community that are asking for different types of data sets. So basically, we have developers who will want data in regard to development throughout the city. We'll have citizens that are interested in consuming data around public safety, crime data. We'll have individuals that want just GIS information. So we, what we're doing is we are moving into a trend, I think, that is not old but very new from the standpoint of scrubbing data, taking it out of our systems, making sure that personal information is protected, and providing it in a very raw form to the general public. So coming to the mobility as is, do you think it is really, you know, whenever you do something, hindsight is twenty twenty. So Michael, mm -hmm. do you think whatever you may have done so far, is it showing you the promise that you should continue to invest in it? Uh, I, I think it is now. I think you know because we get started with uh, you know with Wi-Fi so early, uh, it's taken us longer than than I think the 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 original architects had thought to make it pay off. It's becoming the kind of of system that I think they envisioned back in 2003, and I, I think part of that has has to do with the fact that other pieces of the technology are catching up, you know, with that. Uh, you know, and particularly the number of devices that are available. Uh, I, I don't think that we really have any choice. Uh, you know, it, it's obviously a, a, anything that makes our, our workforce more efficient, more effective, and improves our communication with the citizens is, is desirable, of course. But I, I think as as people's lives uh, begin to center more and more around uh, you know, mobile communication. Uh, and, and some of the things that Gail mentioned with uh, with social media and and some of those things, uh, you know, it, you got to do it. Whether you know it, it's uh, an economic, uh, you know, uh, economically driven uh, activity or or not, I think that's just what you know. As our as our populations change, uh, those expectations are going to change, and we you know our job is to be try to meet those to the best of our ability. Now, mobility, of course, offers plumbing. But what about the data quality and what flows through it? Because now that you have made it so easy for anyone as a citizen to consume and or interact with the government, but then your overall experience and the value that gets created is going to come down to what 
type of data, the accuracy, the integrity, et cetera. So your open data initiative, Gail, that you mentioned would provide people data in the raw form. However, who cares if that raw data, whatever it is saying, because most people will not be able to make sense of it anyways. So the, the, the ownership lies uh, with the city and a city technology department to make sure that whatever data flows through that plumbing is, is accurate to nth degree. And we continually watch it and refine it. Sure, I, I agree. Uh, I think that the behind-the-scenes efforts um, really mean a lot. So uh, behind-the-scenes, we are doing a lot more in terms of data classification and uh, data mining to actually marry the data that we're putting out there to what our uh, our citizenry is asking for. And then the other aspect of it, I think, that extends itself to the public and that is somewhat uh, innovative is that we have um, community forums. We have what we call City Camp, which allows uh, citizens and students and just anybody who wants to show up to a conference, it's called an unconference, to actually come in and learn how, uh, how to manipulate that data. So it is not a situation where you put data out there that you think should be out there to the public. You have to do some kind of interaction with the public to understand where their priorities are. And then we have to extend ourselves uh, in the community to begin to educate individuals um, to to kind of grow the population of individuals that uh, are capable of manipulating the data. So if you go to our uh, our website and you look at our open data initiative, you'll see uh, tutorials out there to teach citizens how to manipulate data, uh, tools that they can use to drop down. Because mind you, we're in a very um, data uh, a data rich environment. Um, the best asset, the most asset that the city has is the information that it has. And all of that, in my mind, tends to benefit our objective of being transparent to the public. So we're having um, more and more of uh, our citizenry begin to request that data. And it used to be that you could say that um, our citizens um, would not know what to do with that data. We have a youth program where we're actually teaching our youth about open data and the benefits of open data and how they might begin to answer their own questions and discern decision-making related to to data. So we have a major effort around educating the public, understanding what kind of data is required out there, and then um, beginning to have an opportunity to push more and more um, raw data out there for our community. Well, I think if I could add one thing here, I think there's an, a, the other side of that is uh, continually educating our own workforce in the importance of, of data accuracy. Uh, I, I don't think there's much that can be more damaging than to put a, put a data set out with the wrong information. I mean, it, it's just one of those, those things that we have to become much more conscious of. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And that's where our data classification um, efforts come into play. I actually have an open data uh, specialist that deals with the data. Now, we all know that the data is owned by the individual department. So there is a back-end effort with each of those departments to look at that data and to make sure that it is accurate, valid, uh, relative data. 
So let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, when we come back, uh, let's explore who should actually own what results are created based on implementation of mobility and related initiatives. So we know that, yes, technology department is, is supposed to deliver the plumbing. And then, yes, we did talk about the data quality and integrity, which is everybody's problem. But should this be a technology initiative or should it be driven, sponsored and managed and be held accountable for success of this initiative? Because if it is just technology, I think we will be uh, losing the true thunder of what this can actually deliver in terms of value creation for the citizens. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not. Because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online. And use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central. Phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, question for you, Michael. Who do you think should own mobility and what is the reality on the ground? Are they saying, okay, Mr. Technology Leader, this is you and you have to handle the plumbing. You should be responsible for the data quality, integrity, and availability. And uh, we are just supposed to expect good results. And if they don't get delivered, then your your paycheck is on the line. Yeah, I, I think that, that this is something that that as a CIO, you have to recognize that uh, one of the things that I think many of us tend to, to talk about now is that there are, there are no technology systems. We only have business systems. Uh, the you know, we are tool makers. We're here to help other people be successful. Uh, so I, I think to that degree, uh, we have to have a commitment from the business lead, the leaders of the, of the business areas, uh, the non-technology areas. Uh, you know, to to make the best use of that tool, and and it's their operations, uh, and the and the services that they're providing to citizens that that you know that is putting their paycheck on the line. So it's uh, the best of all possible worlds is when you have a, a very strong partnership between the uh, uh, the technology sector section, uh, whether it be internal or with the uh, vendors uh, or contractors, and with the the business people who are are beginning more and more to understand how to leverage that technology to improve their own operations. 
So, Gail, do you think there is a very specific set of measures of success that have been laid out to give an initiative thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, and are those objective measures or just because it's government, um, there is not much of um, so-called competitive pressure there. So we just get by by saying, OK, it was cool. People liked it and we made an incremental improvement. I think that um, there is a definite need, particularly with um, the economy that we've experienced, to prove value. I think also that there has to be uh, coordination between uh, the CIO and the public information officer or chief marketing officer uh, to begin to quantify um, how uh, how beneficial these initiatives are. I, I would also say that um, there is more of a need to be able to centralize um, the uh, the measurements to to better understand um, how how important and how much they're being utilized. So I, I don't think that um, IT necessarily owns all of that, but I do think that we are having to begin to deploy uh, measurement systems. We're having to centralize our monitoring of social media to uh, to make certain that um, we are being able to understand whether or not it brings value uh, to our organization and that, of course, that it aligns with our organizational uh, mission and vision. So I don't think there's any tolerance today for um, taxpayer dollars to be spent on initiatives that, you know, prove no value but have a whiz-bang, that's cool mentality in, in the organization. So I do think as we are in the infancy stages of many of these initiatives that we are also having to determine how we're going to measure value, but I think it's shared organizationally. I, don't, I do not think that uh, those measurements uh, lie um, in, just in the IT organization, and I think that is the challenge with many municipalities today is to make that correlation between, uh, you know, what our, our council wants, uh, what our mayor wants, being innovative, being in a region like um, Raleigh where we've had we've we've experienced forty something percent uh, population growth even with the downed economy. We have to continue to make sure that what we're doing is valuable and measurable. Michael, do you think the way the technology is progressing, you talk about cloud, you talk about mobility, of course, that's the topic today, and then virtualization and many other things like big data. So there are so many things that are uh, being, being introduced in terms of disruptive technologies or something which is incrementally improving what we can actually deliver. What is that going to have as an impact on mobility? And one is to say this is what the impact it has today, but what do you see it doing to what mobility will be in a couple of years from now. Well, I, I think we're we're seeing you know a number of technologies that that are becoming mature at the same time and are reinforcing each other. Uh, the, the cloud, for example, has is not a new technology. It's been around for a long time. Mobility is not new. You know, it, it's improving uh to to such a degree that's becoming something different but i think what what i see happening uh is is 
uh, and I see this with my own children, is that, that people are beginning to understand they can, you know, they can get access to all their stuff anywhere at any time, and that's how they want it. And I, I think the, the challenge for us as, as IT professionals is to uh, try to stay ahead of, of the technology itself, which is a real challenge because of, of the, the rate at which it's moving. Uh, but I, I think the, you know, the, the idea of people being desk-bound uh, is losing, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, of credibility. I think people are wanting to do their work wherever they need, feel like they need to do their work uh, to, to get their job done. So that, that may be at a desk or it may be in their car. Uh, you may be on an airplane. Uh, so I, I think the, the thing that I see most likely to happen is that uh, the you know the phones, tablets, computers, whatever are becoming are going to become you know purely access devices. The the processing is going to revert back to, to the back end in the in the data center, uh, and we're going to be very device agnostic, in uh, and not necessarily uh, be able to tell people anymore what the what device they need to have to to access the services that we're providing. And I, I think that's the uh, that's going to be a big change because most of us have spent most of our careers in the other direction, you know, trying to commit, you know, trying to bring standardization to to, uh, to the the environment. But I think now what's happening is that it's it's fracturing. Uh, the environment is fracturing, and uh, you know, it, we just simply have to get used to working in a different way. Gil, if you were to have mobility really take on within government and also incrementally start improving what is done with respect to mobility getting delivered, what changes in your workforce makeup, the skills, the competencies, and also what leadership style changes you, would you request and or appeal to, whether it is within IT or outside, to make uh, the end goal happen? So I, I think that uh, organizationally that uh, IT has been impacted, uh, I would say, already in terms of the specialized skills that um, we're needing. So basically we are looking uh, to attract individuals that understand uh data and how to uh, analyze data, uh, how to uh, manipulate data from the technical side. We are looking for individuals with varying um, application skills, programming skills, um, some of the more um, some of the more modern um, uh, uh, programming skills. We had a, had a conversation with my um, my data open data uh, manager today uh, about Python versus other skills. Uh, we went back and forth uh, a little bit on that today. So we're really tr uh, transitioning from uh, the typical uh, programmer that sits in front of a screen to individuals, even on the GIS side, that are more capable of doing um, analysis on data. As it relates to the operational uh, departments and the um, the impact of uh, BYOD, it is happening happening there in terms of how um, uh, the frontline. Uh, folks are dispatching the systems that they're interfacing with as they are doing their jobs. Um, I just listened to our Solid Waste Services uh, director today talk about um, putting the putting uh, 
some intelligence in our um, trash bins, the recycling trash bins, so they could determine who is going to, uh, who is recycling at homes and who is not recycling so that we know how to influence education as it relates to recycling. So we see it from an efficiency standpoint um, as it relates to dispatching. We, we see it also um, from a, uh, a general goodwill standpoint as it relates to sustainability and how we're educating our general population. So I, I see IT being greatly impacted um, by, by that. And then I also see a different kind of frontline workforce in the, going forward in the future. On behalf of the show and our listeners, really thank you, uh, Gil and Michael, for sharing your thoughts on how mobility can actually be handled appropriately to bring transformation in the government. Listeners, if you have any questions or thoughts, send us to views at ciotalkradio.com. That is views at ciotalkradio.com. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy.